is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, it's been a while. Um, sorry for the intermittent uh, podcasting this summer. Um, quite frankly, there hasn't been much to podcast about, so rather than in the past where I would just, like, force something, um, I'm not doing that anymore. And I know that means a lot less, you know, actual content on the channel, but I'll be honest with you, I would rather have something to say uh, than put out some bullshit. And, and, and quite frankly, it happens a lot in podcasting. We, uh, we end up uh, repeating ourselves. We end up um, re recycling things that we said, specifically when you're talking about sports, and in my case, the Denver Nuggets, although I'm going to be including more Broncos stuff on this channel. Um, the, the, the just, you end up just recycling the same things you said. And this podcast has been going on for 12 years. So I'm going to, I've probably repeated the same thing I've said going back 12 years, <clears throat> many times. So anyway, um, all that aside, sorry about the long gaps in podcasting. Um, it is kind of what it is at this point. Um, but it is the first of September and, um, I've been threatening to talk about this subject for quite a while. Um, before I continue, um, for those who uh, are were upset and um, looked askance at my view on the way the media covers Daryl Morty, um, I I would point everyone to the latest episode of the Ringers uh, group chat. It's on their uh, NBA uh, feed, and with. Uh, Wozniak, Lambray, and uh, Rob Mahoney, and was um, was he had an interesting take that I haven't <clears throat> necessarily espoused on this channel, but it goes to uh, what sort of what I was talking about, and it kind of lends some uh, a different perspective on what's going on with the Daryl Morey and James Harden thing, and I highly suggest everyone listen to that um, because it gives a different perspective, and it kind of goes along with what the way I've been viewing the whole scenario, um, and uh, it's well worth your time. So <clears throat> definitely try that one out. Um, but uh, as of right now, we have a, a, a scenario where people have been, uh, I believe, erroneously comparing the, what's going on with Damian Lillard and James Harden to Carmelo Anthony, which was um, 12 years ago. And uh, in fact, this podcast started not long after Carmelo was traded. That tells you how long CSG's been going on. Um, and as someone who was covering the Denver Nuggets while this whole scenario was going on, and in fact, uh, in actual media, there's only me and Chris Dempsey, who are here, who were in Denver when the Carmelo thing was going on, okay? If you're going to listen to anyone on what happened back in 2010 and 11, listen to uh, Dempsey and me on this. Cause we, we were in town and we know what was going on at the time. And I'm going to draw some contrast here between what's happening with Lillard and, uh, Harden and with what's happening, happened with Carmelo Anthony. And in fact, um, how the landscape has vastly changed since then. 
Um, and I'm going to start with actual, I'm going to start with Harden and Lillard. And then in the second half, I'm going to talk about mellow and why it's different. The Harden and Lillard situations are, are actually very different from each other. Um, Harden is a guy who felt that he was lied to all this stuff. Um, there's things that he did that never made any sense, which if you look at him a certain way, they do make sense if you, and that doesn't make Daryl Morey look very good. Um, but it is, uh, something like, once again, go listen to the group chat on the N ringer NBA feed. Uh, it's the last episode on there. And Waz kind of goes into what he he believes happened, and I don't know if it's true, but it sounds plausible. Um, Harden um, has had a history of forcing his way out of town. Now, that is not unusual in NBA history. This has happened frequently um, since the advent of free agency. Um, very famously, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, was one of the first to to do that sort of thing and he benefited from his teammates lawsuit against the nba um oscar robertson famously the reason the reason the aba and nba one of the primary reasons they didn't merge earlier in the early 70s was because of the lawsuit that uh um that uh oscar robertson had against the nba regarding free agency antitrust all this stuff and um it it didn't resolve itself till about 75 and then that allowed the merger to happen and thus also allowed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to exert some um control uh he didn't want to be in Milwaukee anymore and um basically complained his way out of town um and then he was traded to the Lakers so that is a that is probably the first example of this sort of real prime time example of this sort of thing. Um, so it's not, not new. Um, and people who are thinking these things are new are just, are just kidding, kidding themselves at this point, because it's, it's, you know, you don't know NBA history if you don't know that. Um, what is new is the frequency. Um, but we tend to overcover these things. Uh, whenever a player wants out, um, we are privy to social media. Um, things get overcovered things get uh, over talked about there is so much content out there that people have to find new angles and they have to they have to look at things in a try to look at things in a new way that it, it, it is conducive to hot takes and all this stuff and then it gets wearying because you see all this out there and then you get the aggregation accounts who take a snippet of a quote and then put it out of context and then if everyone gets riled up and everyone starts getting all agog about things uh, I have been I've fallen victim to this too I mean it's it's hard not to especially if you're on social media it is it's something that is part of the the ethos and the culture of it but um the Lillard thing um, to uh, setting aside the Harden thing the Lillard thing is is a little different in a sense that he has been there for 11 years and um he signed a contract and as someone pointed out to me and was such as something I hadn't looked at before he probably he's 100% signed that contract believing the things that the Blazers were saying to him that that they were going to do everything it took to win. And then they literally through the last year and then through the, this off season did the exact opposite. So 
you i in, in my in my, just the way i look at this i my brain i don't i don't blame damian lillard for asking out the difference is he has a lot of years on his contract and he's older and that sort of thing is um is is harder to pull off um i i don't look at it as damian lillard being um obsessive or uh, not obsessive, but I don't. I don't think of him, of him being wrong in the sense of asking out. Um, people who point out that he signed an extension are very right to say he gave up his leverage. But it, that these are this also the same people who say that James Harden gave up his leverage when he he opted into his one the last year on his contract. Essentially, what what Harden did was the nuclear option, which is the 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 seventy sixers couldn't do anything, and Harden can't do anything. They're stuck with each other. So he basically removed all of Daryl Morey's leverage and his own. That's what opting into that last year did, um, and uh, that has that is not anything like what Damian Lillard's happening. If anything, Lillard's uh, situation is closer to what um, was going on with Carmelo Anthony, um, but in the same time, it's different because uh, Carmelo didn't have. Carmelo had one year left and uh, was famously offered an extension. And I'll get to that in the second half of the podcast. Um, Lillard, um, you could say last off season was in a more of the uh, Carmelo Anthony situation, but even then the circumstances are completely different. Carmelo uniquely had a ton of leverage that otherwise these other players do not have. And that played into why he was able to get to where he wanted to go and was inevitably always ended up going there. Um, but as far as Lillard goes, um, it is clear the Blazers are rebuilding. It wasn't clear that the Denver Nuggets were rebuilding, even despite what Carmelo Anthony believed in was told by Masai Ujiri. Um, there is a... There is layers upon layers to this and... Let me kind of set out the conditions that have, that players are in right now. Uh, there is a brand new CBA that has been designed to. I think people have kind of focused on the big thing, which is the restrictions in the second apron, and they have they have not necessarily. I don't think it's dawned on them because it's not easy to digest. But essentially, what this CBA has done is is create more of a culture for trades. Um, it has created more of a culture for uh, forcing players into free agency, which is something that the NBA has traditionally, at least in the last, oh, I don't know, 25 years, been averse to. They wanted to have teams be able to retain their players. Um, people have drawn some comparisons to the NFL. The NFL wants to have every player except for quarterbacks go into the into free agency everyone's a free agent they absolutely let the market dictate your position this is why running backs don't get paid unfortunately is because the market dictates they won't get paid um and so that is ultimately what the um what the NFL does. But the problem is you can't do that in the NBA because players matter more in the NBA and there's just fewer of them. And then even fewer stars. So the NBA cannot get away with forcing people into free agency, but they're trying to cut 
you know, you know, ha get have their cake and eat it too. It's the, maybe the, my clumsy way of saying this. They want to be able to skirt the line between what the NFL does, enforcing everyone into free agency, and the other th thing, which is cultivate trades and allow teams leverage to get uh, get things back in exchange for players who want to leave. Um, and in the in the NFL, you notice that trades are rare. Because everyone goes inevitably goes into free agency. That is why it's not the same in the in, in NBA. Obviously, guarantee contracts have something to do with that. But um, you, there's also ways to maneuver around um, the hard cap in the NFL. There's less ways to do that. Much less ways to do that in the NBA, considering it's a soft hard cap. Um, soft cap. There's no hard cap in the NBA. Don't and as I'm going to repeat this till I'm blue in the face. Don't let anyone who covers the the league get get away with saying that. That is, it's not true. There is no hard cap in the NBA. There's restrictions, and there's a hard floor based on their penalties for going below it. But there's no hard cap. You've seen what the uh, the Phoenix Suns have done this year. There's no hard cap. So we we have are are now to a point where. Uh, Lillard is in a weird nebulous thing after the the new CBA was signed, which doesn't hamper him, his age, and the years on his contract do. There's plenty of teams in the league that want Damian Lillard. Um, but the things that, that hamper his ability to be traded, which won't necessarily improve that, 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 as the season goes on. If Damian Lillard ends up in the going to through this season with uh, the Portland Trailblazers, um, it won't be exactly like uh, the Carmelo Anthony situation um, because that was uh, once again different circumstances, uh, and, and I'll explain that later. But this is this is more about the 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 issue with Damian Lillard is his age and the years on his deal. And Carmelo Anthony was 26 when he was traded from the Denver Nuggets, and Damian Lillard's in his 30s. I mean, that's it's it's different. It's completely different. So um, uh, there there's more to this, and I'll get to that in the second half of it, and kind of get, explain the context and why Carmelo Anthony had unique leverage against the uh, not against them, but unique leverage in his situation. And how the Nuggets' own situation kind of contributed to the way they had to go about business at that time. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coorsfield, right in the middle of Dairy Block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Uh, any kind of wine you want, they got it there. It's a great atmosphere, specifically in the uh, the, the Dairy Block uh, area. It's really, really cool. Um, it's a... Uh, particularly as we're now into September, uh, hopefully, you know, it's almost a hundred degrees today and it's September 1st, but I mean, if, if, if there is a, uh, as the September goes on, the temperature moderates and it's a really the best time to go out in Denver. And that's, that's really what you get when you go down to the dairy block and experience everything they have to offer and experience their whole entire selection of great, uh, Sonoma County wines plus what Colorado has to offer, but they also have got a location in Fort Collins and Golden. So really, this is truly a Colorado business. Go out and support them as much as you can uh, with inflation and all this stuff going on. All these businesses need your help. 
Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th at Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you. When Carmelo Anthony asked out in uh, the summer of, of 2000, well, it wasn't the summer, um, there was, it, 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 it is a, the circumstances that surrounded the Denver Nuggets in the summer of 2010 were unique. There was a collision of things happening that really stacked the deck in Carmelo's favor as far as him directing where he wanted to go. The first of which was that he had one year left on his deal and he signed a five-year deal uh, instead of a four-year deal, or excuse me, a four-year deal instead of a five-year deal in 2006. Yeah, um, five-year deal. And he, he opted, opted for the security, unlike his buddies who all went for, I think they all went for four years at the most and then they, they could get out as, as free agents. And so they all left as free agents to... Obviously, they formed the super team in Miami. But the what Carmelo did was a little different, and it got him his cake and eating and, and eat it too. Um, this was under the regime of Mark Warkentine, Rex Chapman, and Brett Barrett uh, when he was offered an extension, which I think it was like $65 million, um, which is the most they could offer as an extension. And... That would have made his contract four years if you added on that year. That that year, I think, it would have put him into eighty million. Something. The, the cap structure was a lot different. It was the cap was a lot lower at that time. But looming on the horizon was a uh, lockout, and uh, that was going to be happening within moments of uh, what was happening in the NBA. And the the, the lockout famously. Um, uh, lasted from the off season until right before I think it was December it got, of 2011 that it got resolved. Well, it seems like ancient history now. Uh, and so Carmelo and his and his agency understood that they could leverage his extension, and he could leverage the fact that the Nuggets didn't want to lose him for nothing. Uh, now, in the grand scheme of things, it probably would have been better for Carmelo to sign, at least competitively, to have signed with the New York Knicks as a free agent. Um, and that is something that he uh, probably didn't realize or understand at the time that he would be gutting a team that was not great, but good. And ter- and and uh, joining them as a free agent would have been better for him. The Nuggets inevitably would have tried to trade him, though. Uh, so it was summer of of uh, 2010. Warkentine, Chapman, and Barrett Alfred Mello a three-year extension. And Mello didn't sign it. And then it was leaked to the press that he could be traded. Then in uh, about August, I think it was August, um, that the uh, Josh Kroenke let go uh, Mark Warkentine and Rex Chapman. So there was an entire management overhaul in, in, the Denver, in the Denver Nuggets. At that time, Stan Kroenke had to give up 
day-to-day control of the Denver Nuggets. So it was left to Josh Kroenke. Josh Kroenke wanted his own people in there. Uh, Warkatine and Chapman were uh, being ushered out and um, brought in Masai Ujiri, who came in, I think, shortly before September, the end of August, right around there. Um, Josh and um, Masai go to uh, Mello's house and have a meeting with him. And that's where Mello says he wants to go to New York. Um, and none of this was made public. It was assumed and known through everyone who, everyone who covered the Denver Nuggets at the time that Carmelo wanted New York and only New York. This was 100% known all through NBA circles, no matter what the new, new, the New Jersey nets at that time believed. Um, somehow, and this is the one thing where I, 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 I th- people forget. Mello wanted out before the season started. Mello really wanted to get to the Knicks before the season started and was not happy that the Nuggets had, uh, kept him going into the season. Um, the Nuggets knew 100% that Mello was gone. Uh, by the time they got him into the season, but they needed to keep up the illusion that they could potentially keep him in order to uh, maximize whatever trade thing. Now, the the angst and all this stuff derives largely from the moment of media day in 2010 to February of 2011 when he was traded. The angst and all that stuff built and built and built among Nuggets fans. And really, it began with media day in 2010. Um, September, 2010, it was awkward. Mello clearly didn't want to be there. And, uh, the team had to deal with it. Uh, George Carl has said it was one of the worst years he's ever had to, to manage. And, uh, I do not doubt him at all with that. Um, so the nuggets from 2000, from 2000, September, 2010 to, February of 2011 had this awkward situation. Now, on that time, as we know, uh, Masai Ujiri and Josh Kroenke were using the New Jersey Nets as leverage to get James Dolan to offer up more and more and more until they gave us the Denver Nuggets a gigantic haul. Um, but Carmelo and his, his leverage derived from the fact that he only had one year left. The Nuggets had com- changed management completely. From the owner on down, Masai Ujiri was new. Uh, he made it known to the Denver Nuggets that he didn't want to be there and he would prefer to be traded before the season started. Um, and there was this looming lockout. Um, people talk about how Mello wanted his money, too. Well, the Denver Nuggets needed to get something for Carmelo. They could not let him go for nothing. Mello leveraging this... Uh, extension, which I believe, I don't know, I don't know if you can still, with the rules, I haven't looked this up, but I don't know if you can still do the same thing Carmelo did, because they did alter a bunch of sign-and-trade things post-2011, 2010 uh, lockout. So, um, I, 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 2000, 2011 lockout. So, so post that, there was a lot of different things that were made to limit player leverage that inevitably ended up with players signing short-term contracts and going where they wanted to go, which pissed the NBA off. 
Uh, but the the there was a bunch of levers in Melo's favor that don't necessarily apply to any other situation. Melo has was unique, and you could I could say probably that uh, even Anthony Davis when he went to the the Lakers, um, it wasn't necessarily one hundred percent the same, but it was closer to what Carmelo happened with Carmelo Anthony. But Davis had more years. And he he did something different where he did more years, and he I believe he was the first one, uh, if my memory serves, to do try to leverage the multiple years on his deal to get to where he wanted, which was the Lakers away from the uh, to, from the um, the Hornets or Hornets they were the Hornets the the Pelicans. Um, so um, there's a all this going on, but Mello in 2000, in 2011 had far more leverage than these other players. And even Anthony Davis, um, even though it was inevitable that Davis was going to get to where he needed to go. And, and in fact, I would argue that David Griffin did a great job with, with the limited uh, resources he was able to do at the time. What, what is, what is different is Mello still played and even though it was a terrible and awkward situation, the Nuggets were able to muddle through. Uh, Melo had a big scoring night during that time, um, even though it was awkward and his teammates were, were starting to really dislike him because of what was going on. Uh, he was able to, to muddle through it, and his leverage existed because there was a bunch of shit happening that had nothing to do with the Denver Nuggets and Carmelo Anthony, the uh, particularly the lockout, which everyone knew was coming, was being was was the hammer. The Nuggets couldn't use that again. Be, there's been revisionist history saying the Nuggets could have just let him go into free agency. That was never going to happen. The Nuggets the Nuggets were under immense pressure to deal him, and Melo using his and I believe he could have been the first to really leverage his extension against a team. Um, and that is why, and because of that extension, he was able to get where specifically where he wanted to go. He was never going to the nets. I, I always tell people this, that that fake report that came out from channel seven, where they said that he had been traded to um, New Jersey, the look of utter panic on Mello's face told you exactly everything you needed to know about the unfolding scenario. Mello was 100% convinced and knew he would be going to, uh, going to New York. And I believe that everyone just kind of forgets about it, but Mello had the, the hammer. Mello had the hammer. The difference was in what Matsayu Jerry did was he let it go as long, excruciatingly long as he possibly could go. He let it fester. And I, I've always I've always told people that Masai had some of the he he did well with getting the trade, but I think he he bears some responsibility for the ill will that Mello was getting. Um, because Mello fully anticipated being traded before the season. That was 100% his intent. He told the Nuggets before the season he wanted to be traded before the season. The difference between Mello and these other scenarios is it wasn't public. It was public, but it wasn't public, right? The NBA prefers that. The NBA doesn't like players doing what Harden did in China. 
the NBA doesn't like doing it like like uh, it being known widely that a player wants out of a situation. Um, they don't want it known from the player's mouth or anything like that. There is a, there is a, um, just, just, they, they, they learned from the mellow situation. And I think they got, uh, very burned by what the Anthony Davis leveraging his things. And then what Harden ended up doing in, uh, in Houston and, and then again in Brooklyn. So mellow was unique. Mellow had a collision of circumstances that allowed him to do what he needed to do to get out. The only difference was Masai Ujiri let it drag almost interminably on um, to to the absolute last minute he could. If they weren't able to pull off a deal with the Knicks, um, because by that time, James, and they were fortunate because James Dolan was getting desperate. And that desperation caused the Nuggets to get most of what they wanted in this scenario. And um, it ended up benefiting the Nuggets for the future beat by with Jamal Murray. And quite frankly, uh, revisionist history has uh, kind of ignored the, the last of the George Carl years, which were, which were good. They weren't, they were not bad at all. Um, and I think that, I think that we kind of just, you know, we forget about that stuff. Um, but uh, it was a good trade and Masai did the best he could but uh, Melo got where he wanted to go. It was just excruciating, and I think we kind of forget that in the in the morass of history, we just kind of start thinking that 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 you know this was all Maasai. But the, he had a management change. Stan wasn't there anymore. Josh had taken over. Oh, I didn't even point out the the Nuggets exiled Brett Barrett to to Atlanta making Carmelo extremely happy uh, at that time. Um, he did not like Brett Barrett. Um, they, there was a lockout looming. Melo had a three-year extension that he could leverage. All of these things combined to get Melo exactly where he wanted to go. None of this applies to Damian Lillard and James Harden. None of this actually at, at all applies to them. They uh, are in different situations, and it's a different league. Um the, what happened in 2011 with Carmelo Anthony was unique, and Melo had very unique leverage over the Denver Nuggets at that time, and that's why it ended up the way it was. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. Uh, I'll be back uh, sometime with another episode, hopefully. Goodbye.